captain's logs. Han Solo. I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Listening to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, part of the Geek News Now podcast network. Welcome to episode five of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, part of the Geek News Now podcast network. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan, and with me today is the other host of the show, Chris. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing great, Jonathan. How are you today? Oh, I'm fantastic. Uh, I'm really, really excited for what we have in store today. Oh, me too. Today's episode, we're going to break from our typical format, uh, but it's for a very special reason. Mm-hmm. We have a guest joining us today on the show. Uh, he's going to be chatting with us about Star Wars, Star Trek, and a little bit of comics as well. Excellent. Star Wars fans may recognize who we have from his short story collection, Tales from a Galaxy Far, Far Away, Aliens Volume 1. Joining us today is none other than Landry Walker. Thanks for accepting our invite to come on the show today. I thank you so much for having me. This is, you know, this is the first interview that we've had the opportunity to conduct, but uh, I, I'd like to kind of start with a, a very basic question. Um, since we, you know, we do cover Star Trek and Star Wars, uh, we're going to, I'd like to ask you, what was your first experience with Star Wars? Um, well, my first experience with Star Wars was a kind of unique one. Um where I uh, ended up at a birthday party for uh, Gary Kurtz's daughter, when I was six years old at George Lucas's house, the star Wars had just come out and um, it was a pretty uh, fun and exciting uh, introduction. Cause I had no idea what was going on. There was a guy dressed as Chewbacca, a guy dressed as Darth Vader. Mark Hamill was there and I didn't mean a lot to me, except somebody told me this guy's name was Luke Skywalker and my last name is Walker. So I thought that was cool. That was the cool part. That was my cool takeaway. <laughs> we both had the last name Walker and thought, is he family? I don't know. And um, then I saw the movie and, um, you know, I, I, I instantly kind of pushed all my old Mego toys, my 1970s superhero Mego toys to the side. I'm like, okay, I need everything Star Wars. I wanted to be Obi-Wan. I wanted to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. He was the one I related to. I, I would go on later to, you know, a few years after that, become obsessed with Lord of the Rings and Gandalf. I have just aspired to being an old long gray-haired man that's been my goal i'm getting there i'm almost where i want to be um so yeah that was my introduction to star wars at age six i i got to age with the movies as i kind of came out that i was the right age yeah six for new hope nine for empire strikes back 12 return of the jedi was kind of a perfect age for the original trilogy that is such a cool story and it's yeah like you said it's a very unique introduction uh you know to to the world of star wars and i just i i can i can only you know i'm trying to picture you know what it would be for a six-year-old to to kind of come to that realization that you were kind of on the ground floor of the the biggest science you know fiction or fantasy you know space fantasy franchise that we've ever seen you could feel it changed everything you really could every like, the way stories were being told was fundamentally 
it, it pivoted in that moment. Uh, but I do think there are comparable moments that younger generations who weren't at that age to experience that one have had. And, um, but that was certainly a big one. That was a key one. And it was um, exciting. Of course, we didn't know that, that how many there were going to be. There were rumors. You know, we didn't really know there'd be a second one at first. But once there was, you knew there'd be a third. Um, at that point, mm-hmm. Lucas was out there in the public saying, there's going to be 12, 12 movies. <laughs> and so I waited for that. Um, and, uh, you know, what are we, I, how many are we at now, technically, even though it's not what he originally planned uh, with some of those not being part of the same series. We're still at, are we at 12 now? We've got to be, right? 10, 11? 11. We're at, if we count Mandalorian, Maybe 11. I think we're at 12. I, I'm counting Mandalorian. Yes. That's a win. We're that sounds like a go. plan. This is what I was <laughs> promised. My de- The destiny has been fulfilled. I can rest. Um, yeah, no. So it was a good time to come into Star Wars. That's awesome. Uh, that's incredible. Uh, so you know, you've, you've had the opportunity, of course, to write several projects for Star Wars so far, and all of them have been incredibly different, you know, as far as, you know, as far as the format, uh, you know, you've written uh, a short story collection, you've written for comics, uh, and then you've even written a reference book for DK Star Wars. Uh, what yeah. What was it that drew you to each of these projects? Well, I mean, I you get into something that moves us. One, I mean, working in fiction on Star Wars, uh, getting to craft original, new canon, uh, canon stories for what was a clean slate at the time, which was really interesting. Um, you know, it's it's a lot easier to come in than say it would have been at say the tail end of Dark Horse's run, um, or even now because I'm still working on some. I'm working on Star Wars Adventures number seven, or I just I did recently write that volume two, which is Return of the Crimson Corsair. We'll get a little more of a connection with a classic character from the Clone Wars. Um, but writing that stuff now, six years after the reboot of continuity, is a lot harder than it was five six years ago. So. I got to come in and it was all a clean slate. So I could just kind of do whatever. And I like that. And they let me create all these original characters all over the place for it, which was nice too. Um, and, uh, you know, just explore what that, what you could, the potential within that galaxy of stories. Um, I also like being, I like writing different kinds of material. I, I just put to bed um, some, a little bit of, work on a Clone Wars magazine that was, is about the production. Um, I did that start that DK. No, I don't think it was DK uh, for one of them. Maybe it was DK. Um, I did that, a, a book on ships. Uh, it's on special effects on the, on the special effects of ships and battles, which was a really interesting experience. Cause you get to go in and really dig into like, like them when they filmed the uh, Jabba's sail barge blowing up, they filmed it on a building just across the bay from me on the rooftop of that building. I didn't know that, you know, getting into that stuff and how the magic is made, how they, you know, how the evol- the special effects evolved. So whatever project comes my way, I usually take it one because you know work can be thin in this industry and it's hard to say no to work. But two, um. I like the different challenges each one of these jobs presents in comparison to the previous. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not 
a writer. I've never had any aspirations to be one because <laughs> I know I know where my skill set lies, and it's not in writing. So, uh, it, just hearing your stories and hearing you know the um, your approaches is, is really kind of enlightening. So, well, thank you. It's fun. So uh, you had mentioned, uh, well, you know, you've written um, count, you know, the uh, Crimson Corsair and the Lost Treasure of Count Dooku, um, mm-hmm. and I know you're a big fan of his. And you said you're bringing him back for Star Wars Adventures, which is yeah. is fantastic. So, what is it about uh, Sidon Athano that that intrigues you? What what is it about his limited appearance in the Force Awakens that you just had to write for him? Well, all I had initially when I picked him was a photo, was a, it was a drawing of the character, not even a photo, just a drawing of the character. And he was, and and they told me he was a pirate. And I instantly, I didn't think smuggler. I didn't think um, scum and villainy. I thought swashbuckler. He spoke to me as, you know, a, an Errol Flynn in space, um, gregarious, but I mean, he's, he's not, he's not like gregarious. He's actually a really somber, quiet character in voice, but in spirit, this is a guy who calls himself the Blood Buccaneer, calls himself the Crimson Corsair. He he puts his, you know, emblem on on his own personal sail barge. He puts, you know, he, he this is a guy who probably has like he kind of brands everything around him the way Batman does. It's it's flamboyant, um just high adventure, which is something I really think um, clicks well with Star Wars, and and so the 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 character is just one of immense appeal. Also, he's a clean slate. No one has like I've written most of his material. He has a Lego Star Wars appearance that's out of canon, um, which is great. He's got uh, a brief appearance in Resistance, which, as far as I can tell, ties in uh, whether intentionally or not ties into my Crimson Corsair short story because he's got the the Clone Wars era droids. It's all just amazingly fun. So yeah, that, that's it. I wanted a swashbuckler in space. Yeah, and, and the title of the story is very much. It feels like you know you were inspired by you know Tales of Robin Hood or even mm-hmm. uh, even Indiana Jones. It sounds very much like an Indiana Jones quest. Very much. Yeah, yeah exactly. It all ties into it. All ties into that like nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties serialized fiction, pulp mm-hmm. fiction, which I'm a huge fan of. So yeah. Which, of course, makes sense. You know, playing in the Star Wars universe, that's the, the, the source of, you know, major source of the inspiration for for the stories that we got. So it, it, it fits in. It fits right in. Yeah. All right. Chris, you want to yeah, so we'll, ask a couple questions here? Yeah, I think we'll switch it over to Star Trek here for a little bit. So I guess we already asked it about Star Wars, but what was your first experience with Star Trek? My first? Okay. Um. Star Trek, the animated series in the seventies. Um, before I saw Star Wars, I did know Star Trek from the cartoon, not the live action. So uh, with Emrys the the uh, and Ajax as uh, replacing a couple of characters there, um, and I just I fell in love with the aesthetic of it. I loved the blocky color of the uniforms. Um, I like the idea of the exploration. Then I would see, then I started seeing the live action a little bit. When I'd visit my grandparents, my grandfather would sit in his chair in the middle of the living room, like, and he just watch. he'd watch whatever was on, but Star Trek would somehow was always a salt vampire episode. 
always, 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 I'd see that Salt Vampire episode. And I liked it. And I thought it was neat. Um, but I, So I, I, I liked Star Trek fine. Then Star Wars came out, and that just blew me away. And I didn't really think about Star Trek a lot until Wrath of Khan came out. And I saw Motion Picture when it came out. And while I love that one now, uh, for what it, for what, I love how different it is from so much other science fiction. It's like a beautifully written, ponderous sci-fi novel turned into a film, and I adore that. I think that is brilliant because it stands against so many other things. Star Trek: Wrath of Khan, but I was too young to appreciate it at the time. I think I was like nine or something when that came out. Maybe um, then Wrath of Khan came out, and it's. Possibly the best pirate movie that has ever been made. Because, um, I mean, you could take that film and it could be an island, a guy who was stranded on an island from a longship captain and a tale of revenge. It doesn't. That was when I, I realized something about story at a young age. I was 11 or whatever, 10 when that came out. Uh, so my timing on which movie came out when may be off a little. But I know that when I saw it, I realized that aesthetics like science fiction or fantasy or sword and sorcery or whatever is just a skin for this story that is about a human experience about Kirk coming to terms with his own mortality and facing the ghosts of his past and dealing with that was it didn't matter he could be it could be a story about a guy in an office and it would still have that same power so I loved Wrath of Khan and that turned me into uh it put Star Trek right there it 50% was Star Wars for me. Like if, if it started pushing it maybe as we went on a little up here and then they go back and forth and fight. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh, excellent. That yeah, was my I introduction. Never, oh, excellent. I never thought of uh, Star Trek two as some sort of pirates movie. That's a very interesting way of kind of looking at it differently. I, that's fascinating. Um, so I guess another question I have is um, you and Eric Jones were teamed up to launch a Star Trek comic that unfortunately did not get off the ground. Uh, what can you tell us about that project? Well, it was based on the – so Eric and I had done uh, – we've been working together for decades, and we had just finished um, Supergirl Cosmic Adventures in the 8th grade for DC and Batman Brave and the Bold. I was doing some work on – uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics uh, based on the Nickelodeon cartoon at the time working with IDW and we knew some of the editors over there and they had Star Trek and both of us have a love of the animated series so we pitched a comic that would be done in the aesthetic of an all ages bonkers space stories set in that all ages universe of the animated series with that kind of aesthetic we really want to capture the aesthetic of it um we put together a bunch of pitches. I'm, I can read you one real quick here um, that gives you a sense of one of the more absurd ones. So we pitched about seven stories, and Eric produced a bunch of character designs. This one was called Night of a Thousand Checkoffs. And it's like, while on an urgent mission to deliver medical aid to a remote colony, a process that requires sustained radiation bursts to every colony member, the transporters malfunction and begin creating endless hard light, barely sentient copies of Chekhov. Hundreds of these always smiling checkoffs soon roam the halls, uttering the only word in their vocabulary, checkoff. Unfortunately, the drain on the ship's power reserves makes the completion of the mission impossible until the checkoffs somehow recognize the situation, decide to sacrifice their collective energy, and repower the ship's batteries. Night of a Thousand Checkoffs. Huh. 
uh, that just sounds uh, bonkers, and I love it. When you were talking about all the different Chekhovs, I kept having this mental image of Chekhovs, all of them screaming through the corridors of the Enterprise. He's just so well known for screaming. I don't know, just, it just just something that popped into my head. Yeah. Now, I, I do want to ask you this question. Star Trek has been around for almost 55 years. It's hard to believe how long it's in board. And there are so many different crews now that are involved with all the different franchises. So if you could write for any of the Star Trek crews right now, which one would it be and why? Man, I, I, I was thinking about that. And that's, that is a um, difficult one. I have a certain love, obviously, for the original crew. Um, that uh, There's something about that that setting, that tone that I love. I, I don't think there's a Star Trek I wouldn't want to write and a crew I wouldn't enjoy for one reason or the other. Um, I really did enjoy a lot of um, the Enterprise show and the crew. I know it's not one of the more popular ones, but I re- that one really clicked for me. Um, um, and also, uh, not that I, I wouldn't want to write this because it's somebody else's world, but if somehow... There was a reason it made sense. I loved Peter David's Excalibur crew, if you know that book series at all. Yes. I just, I love that. Um, I have uh, the Captain Calhoun figure signed by him. So, yeah, that's, that's right. Where is that? That's right, right here. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably go with the original. Yeah. Gotcha. There he is. There go. All right, perfect. So. That's wonderful. Nice little keepsake for you. Excellent. Yes. You, 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 know, you had mentioned that you, know, you had uh, really enjoyed Enterprise, Landry, and uh, you know, that's the one thing that Chris and I have talked about a little bit on our show and how it really didn't get uh, a very fair chance in it's such a quality show. I mean, there's so many, there's so many good episodes oh, yeah. uh, and, and, and there's, you know, it, it, it wasn't afraid to be different. And I, I just don't think initially everybody was ready for that. I think that, um, and I, like I said, I really liked it. Um, but I think that I was thinking about this just the other day that it, it kind of, See, I just finished the new season of Discovery. Is everyone caught up on the new season of Discovery? Yes. If so, I'll yes. spoil some stuff. So if you're listening to this and you're not, maybe don't listen to this part. But um, I just watched the new season and it was possibly my favorite um, that I love that we went forward. And I think one of the things that I haven't been as happy about with Star Trek lately, as much as I, I actually really enjoy this material, we've been moving backwards instead of forwards. Like Enterprise, we, we we looked backwards, and it was a wonderful look backwards. But still, that's not what Star Trek ever was. It was always us looking forward. Um, with Next Generation, we looked forward, and and Deep Space Nine and and Voyager, they were all in that same part of looking forward. But then we go, look backward with Enterprise, Discovery. Oh, and then we reboot. We do a reboot of the films, and again, we're back. We're, we've looked backwards again. Then we do Discovery, and let's guess what? It's another new Star Trek. We're looking back. Every Star Trek between Voyager and the third season of Discovery has been looking backwards, not forwards. And so they go to the future. And at first I'm like, oh, I don't want to see the future. And then I was like, oh, right, because that's what Star Trek is. It's always like, where? what's the newest advancement? 
oh, now the nacelles just float. Now we just have personal teleports. That person's like, no, that's not how. And I'm like, wait a minute. It's a thousand years later. Yeah, that's cool. This is Star Trek is that it's our world only ahead of us. And so let's look forward and not backwards as much. So I um, don't remember how I got to that answer, but that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, and, and, and I agree. I think that that was, you know, after some interesting ideas in, in seasons one and two, well, season one more specifically, uh, season two, I know Chris and I really liked it just because of the, the introduction, the introduction of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the original enterprise crew with, with Pike and company oh, so uh, good. was so really, good. really good. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. yes. They definitely nailed it with ants and mouth coming off the one. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just, he embodies the character so well and it's, it's great to see it, that Pike gets a little bit more time and he, he gets his, he gets his due. And I'm, I know uh, we, you know, we've talked on the show about the, the upcoming strange new worlds uh, and we're just, Chris and I are both excited to, to really get to see uh, more of, of uh, Pike's enterprise. Yeah, yeah very much. Have, have either of you played the, uh, the uh, VR game, the bridge crew VR game? No, no. Uh, I have, I, I'm a big gamer and I have yet to really get into the VR uh, side of things. And Chris, I, yeah. I, oh, never, no, I never got into any of the games, but I was at Star Trek Las Vegas in 2019 um, with my wife. And we actually got to go aboard a Star Trek VR simulator that went in the, was in the Kelvin timeline. Um, and I remember we were mm-hmm. battling Klingons. That's about all I can really remember. <laughs> And I was in first place. <laughs> okay. There's two things there. Okay. I don't know the, 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 the Vegas one. I did that. Okay. So many years ago, I went to the, um, when the, the Quark's Bar restaurant was still open mm-hmm. and I ate the flaming ribs of Targ. I do not kid you. I ended up in a ditch outside of Vegas. Sick. So sick. I thought I was going to die. I fell out of a moving car. Don't eat Klingon food. Um, served to you by an Andorian. I mean, if you're going to have Klingon food, don't get it from an Andorian. That was a big mistake. Seriously, I, I should have probably been hospitalized. It was bad. Um, but, uh, the VR game, this, this, you are on the bridge of a crew. And what I love, I can't do a lot of the VR. I get nauseous, but this one, it's a desk job in space, which is what a bridge crew is. So I usually run as an engineer and I'm allocating power for the warp engines and the shields and sending crew to the repair stations and you have to work with your other your teammates, four players, and really do it in sync together. And it's possibly it's you. So I feel I'm playing this. I look down. I feel something pulling at my hand. I'm like, what's pulling at my hand? There is. Oh, that's not my hand. That's my digital hand. I pull up my helmet. My cat is pulling at the string of the controller in my hand because you have these <laughs> wand controllers that, with triggers that replace. And you just get so into it. That's your reality. It's a little frightening, a little hollow deckish. But you can pilot the bridge, you, the, a, a starship now. Yeah, uh, that just sounds incredible, and I think <laughs> at some point I might have to invest in VR because that just sounds amazing. And I know, of course, there's some pretty, you know, inventive and immersive uh, Star Wars games that have been released for VR as well. So. Uh, it'll be nice to be able to play in both universes. Yeah, the Battlefront, uh, the new Battlefront One has a VR mission X-wing that, and then they just released the Squadrons game, which I have but haven't played yet. 
So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I know that the uh, that Squadrons has a VR uh, mm-hmm. mode available. I believe it's the PlayStation VR that has that. But yeah, uh, I, I you know that the game reminds me so much of the old uh, you know Tie Fighter and X Wing games. It's it just a little bit you know it, well I shouldn't say a little bit a lot more accessible to the average gamer than than those games were. So yeah. I can imagine what you know what the VR experience has to be like. So, uh, wow, we we got off on a, a bit of a tangent, and I love it. <laughs> Easy to do. <laughs> oh yeah, it's fantastic. I um, kind of coming back to to your writing. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, are there any uh, any bucket list projects that you'd like to write? Well, I'd love to work on Doctor Who. Um, I was a <sighs> member of the Doctor Who fan club when I was twelve. I have oh, pretty much every action figure that came out with since they launched the new show. I'm a bit of a Doctor Who nerd. Um, the uh, That said, I sometimes wonder if it would be a good idea because you work on some of these things and it can pull a little of the joy and innocence from you for it. You know, when I worked mm-hmm. on Batman, I kind of had to distance myself some, from everything Batman for a couple of years. When I first worked on Star Wars, I ended up doing something similar a little bit. Like it, it, it kind of poisons the well sometimes a little bit, but... I also really, I mean, I still want to do Star Trek deeply, even though the pitch didn't happen. We got really close with that one. And um, I'm very disappointed that it didn't get off the ground. And I think they've done other projects since that would kind of prevent the um, uh, the exploration of that. The, uh, what was it? Um, there's something I was going to say about that. Uh, Doctor Who... Yeah, those are probably the top two. Doctor Who and Star Trek, since Star Trek didn't materialize, so to speak. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Very nice. <laughs> All right. So, oh, I, I'm actually just very curious. Do you have any coming projects um, that we can um, look forward to in the future coming up? I do. Well, I did have a a new graphic novel that just came out a few weeks ago called Pepper Page Saves the Universe. It's an original graphic novel featuring a teenage girl who discovers the truth about her favorite superhero and how she's connected to her. Then we have, um, I have a a new Star Wars comic coming out in March or April. I guess it's March now, so probably April. I I don't know for sure. Star Wars Adventures number seven, I think. Volume two, number seven. Um, and I did a backup story in there, but it does feature the return of the Crimson Corsair for the first time in uh, by me since my original story. So it's probably his, you know, fifth appearance ever because he had two movie cameos, a shot in Resistance for a brief bit, like a, a cameo in Resistance, and then my now two stories and Lego. So yeah. six. Well, excellent. Yes. Yeah. Lego. Can't forget Lego because yeah. I, I, as 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 much as it's what do they what do they say canon adjacent i i adore the lego star wars projects and i i can't wait to uh to you know to get more is i uh you know what was it um oh the freemaker adventures like uh, lego star wars the freemaker adventures right. was yeah. one of my absolute favorites and and it was a way you know uh they found a way to you know to use lego to tell a a very uh, intimate family story and it, it's it, it's it's still one of my you know one of my favorites and if you i don't know if you've checked it out chris it, it's definitely worth your while i i do believe they have uh, both seasons of the show on disney plus but it, lego star wars the freemaker adventures is is uh 
easily the best Lego Star Wars project I've ever seen. Excellent. I'll give it a shot. Um, I know I've been wanting to check out the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. Um, haven't seen that yet. So that, that, that's on my, my bucket yeah. list right now to take care of and, and check out. I watched it recently. I liked it. Oh, excellent! Yeah, it was it was fun. It was it was it, there was a couple nods to the original Star Wars Holiday Special. You know, very tongue in cheek, cool. but it was it also had its own heart. It had its own story, and it was it was a fun watch. Um, I, I've been meaning to watch it again because I only caught it the very first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when it when it released in November, so I want to go back and and really get into it and see if I can, you know, pick out more cool stuff. Excellent. Um, Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, your upcoming projects, uh, we'll make sure that we put links into the show notes to order Pepper Page Saves the Universe. And uh, I'll try to find a pre-order link for uh, Star Wars Adventures Volume 2 Number 7 for you. So we can put that in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, You're very welcome. Um, So uh, kind of... This is a kind of a fun question. Doesn't really relate at all to Star Wars or Star Trek, uh, but if you were given the opportunity to, I don't know, rewrite any one scene from any movie, what would you choose? Hmm. You know, I was trying to. I was. I, I felt. I, I know. I had a better answer for that at one point. Um. In in general terms, I. It's always a little weird as a writer sitting there going, well, whose work would I change? Um, so it's a little awkward in that term. But I also like the idea of the creative exercise because when I watch a movie, I've never seen a perfect movie. I've never read a perfect story. But I, I don't think that anyone can make that because I think that it's all individual. What's perfect for me may not be perfect for you sort of thing. So my perfect stories uh, doesn't exist. Um it's always so subjective. Um, so there are everything I watch, I'm probably thinking of something I would change. Well, if they did this and you move this here and make that happen, like I was talking, okay, Thor Ragnarok, my favorite MCU movie. And I'm going to put this caveat because I'm going to pick it as having a scene I would rewrite, even though it is absolutely my favorite MCU movie. It's one of my favorite movies it's so absurd and fun, and yet it has so much heart and uh, the the theme. It's this, this theme of power coming from within. The um, Thor, like, is just obsessed with, I've lost my hammer. How can I be Thor anymore? You know, that's my whole thing. Dad, you said I, I wasn't able to be Thor if I wasn't able to pick up this hammer. And uh, I lost the hammer. And he's like, and everyone here, you guys seen Thor Ragnarok, right? Not, mm-hmm. not ruining this one? Okay. No, uh, no, not at all. Um, yep. You know, what are you, the god of hammers? And it's like, this is a big deal moment. This is the whole core of this being, you know, he, at the end of that film, at the climax of that battle, discovers that he is... Yeah, so I think that... Um, and, and so it's beautiful. And he loses his eye, and but it ends up being kind of a mark of his maturity. He loses his hammer, and that's how he comes into his own... And what happens in the aftermath with the MCU is let's give him a new eye and let's make his quest to go get a new weapon, which was phenomenal. But in terms of in terms of plot, it was phenomenal. I mean, I loved it. I enjoyed all of that of him going. We had the guy who played um, what's his name played Tyrion as the as the forging help him forge his weapon and all that was brilliant. 
in was that mm-hmm. Endgame? Um, no, uh, Ye- Infinity War. I, I, yes, he did get it in Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity War. Yeah, it wonderfully done. However, doesn't it undermine the theme of Ragnarok? He had evolved past the weapon. He was. This could have been Thor's last appearance. It would have worked. I didn't want it to be. I want eight more mm-hmm. Thor movies, but. From a, it was so well written that it kind of everything that happens with him afterwards kind of undermines that that theme in service of having more plot. So I wouldn't want to get rid of that, but maybe I would. I want to change something in the structural flow of the MCU so that that contradiction, that undermining of his journey, doesn't quite happen because his hero's journey is so particularly fantastic. They just they made too good of a movie. That's on them. They made it too good. I don't. It, it I mean that. Hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tycho, uh, you, you, you had said how about, about how Thor Ragnarok was so off the wall and so crazy. I, that's it, it, it's you can, you know, it, it, it's, it is such a, a good example of what Taika Waititi is, 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 you know, capable of as a storyteller. Uh, and I know, you know, he's got, uh, we've got Thor love and thunder coming out and he's writing mm-hmm. and directing that. Uh, and then I'm really excited to see what he brings to Star Wars because mm-hmm. I, it, oh, if, yeah. if, you know, if it's anything like what he did for the character of Thor, uh, it's it's really going to you know shake up Star Wars in, in a good way. I'm going to pivot here real quick, and I'm going to say, yeah. I actually, I don't like this guy. I don't like I don't like this director because he's really good, and he makes the rest of us look really bad. It's <laughs> he's making. I don't want to have to work so hard. And, um, I mean, I, I, it's a lot of effort when people come along and they do, I mean, have you seen what we do in the shadows? I have seen the movie. I have not yet caught the show. Um, it is, it is, it's on my list. You know, it's definitely on my list of, of shows to catch up on. And, uh, I, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. A lot of that it's Jermaine Clement too. And these people, and they're just brilliant. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, Jojo Rabbit. Um, I don't know if you saw that one. I did. That was oh. so brilliant. Yeah. Powerful. Um, yes. Absurdist and yet depth and emotion. And that's fusing those two is a really important part. When we talk about all ages material, which I know that wasn't, but it's it's kind of, kind of, um, it's an important part of it. Like all ages means you can give it to somebody of any age, not for kids specifically. And um it just kind of this is my spiral on this just taking the 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 goofy and the drama and letting them sit together thor ragnarok brings that so i wouldn't necessarily rewrite anything from it but it wrote the move it wrote thor's journey into a corner he hits a kind of take continuing him after that is just kind of why he yeah. he had he hit his apex so yeah, and I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what, where it goes from there. Just because you know, it, it was such a complete story arc for him. Uh, I, I know that I, at least you know what I've seen. I, I believe they're bringing back uh, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster to kind of wrap up her story a little bit more than what they were able to in in, in, in Thor: The Dark World. So yeah, I think I mean just for that for that reason alone, I think it's going to be exciting as well. Mm-hmm. I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you know, that's funny. If you're if you're gonna take an issue with somebody, it, 
<laughs> like you do with Taika Waititi. At least it's you know for a you know for a reason that he is too good at his job. I, I that that's a fantastic uh, reason to you know he's, to to not like somebody. <laughs> he's hurting us all. Yeah, it's not fair. So. Yeah, and yeah, you know, as a writer, I I know I I you know when you had said about initially about wanting to kind of not make any changes I, I i see where you're coming from and that um and that's something that i hadn't considered when when coming up with a question so i, I appreciate that you know you uh you know brought that to my attention it's not a problem As, in terms of question it's, it's it's something you think about like well it's somebody's work because we all like i would tell you we're all our worst critics too so you know it's you labor and labor and labor and then you look back and go oh my god i did 18 things wrong with this story i wish i could redo um, but that's just the nature of the beast. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one, one, oh, sorry, Chris, uh, that, go ahead. I'm just, I'm just agreeing. And I'm sure it's like that with any kind of field, whether it's writing or something in mental health or whatever it is, you know, everybody's always their own worst critics and you know, there's always somebody there to kind of give the positive feedback, you know? Yeah. It's kind of an unfortunate thing. You kind of never want to be in a position like I'm brilliant at what I do and everything I am is fantastic because that's a dangerous place to be. But at some point you go, don't I get to just enjoy what I do? Don't I just get to at some point be, feel good that I, so you got to find that balance. It's hard, especially with directors of that caliber out there. Sure. So ugh, that guy, um, <laughs> I think I'm going to start a feud that he doesn't even know about with him. I think I'm going to turn him into my mortal enemy because of, of my jealous nature uh, and my fandoms. Yeah. So. I mean, if you need, if you need anybody to help fuel the fire, let me, let Please. us know. <laughs> he's, he's too good. I don't want to work that hard. Please be, be worse at your job so that I can sit and play more video games and eat more donuts. Yeah. That would be nice. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So I wanted to kind of bring things back to Star Trek and Star Wars. So my question for you right now is what comparisons and contrasts do you see between Star Trek and Star Wars? Well, compare contrasts. I mean, one is it, it I mean, one is science fiction mm -hmm. and the other is fantasy. And I think that the rules from a storytelling perspective are, are fundamentally different between the two. I want to know the why with Star Trek. I want to know the how, even if it's, you know, they're, they're spewing a bunch of gobbledygook, like the photon reactor has a quasi field of, that's been inverted to the seventh matrix. Okay, good. I need to know that. I mean, but in Star Wars, laser sword goes zoom. That's what I want. Like, um, it's, it's, I, I want, I want, character i want plot i want a good theme with both i want story I'm, I'm a story person i want story 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 and i want it to be solid and i want it to be cohesive and coherent and that's very important to me but that said i want to know with star trek i want exploration i want science i want discovery i want wonder and 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 mankind us it's a story about us expanding our horizons mm -hmm. Star Wars isn't about us. Star Wars, we're voyeuristic. Star Wars, I want to watch this epic, you know, battle between the worlds unfold and more from I'm out here. So for me, that's the fundamental contrast. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we spend a lot of time as a culture going, I know people, younger people, like they don't, they want to compare Star Wars and Star Trek because they both have star in the name, but they're so 
so different. They're not even I, just because they're both in space doesn't mean they're the same genre, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I think that there always been, there's been that question. I guess star Wars is more just kind of like, it talks about the fundamentals of good versus evil where star Trek kind of makes you like expand your mind, I guess a little bit more is the way people have thought about it. Looking at the bigger picture, almost like what you were saying about the motion picture, how epic and, and big it was and making you think about, evolution and the and the next phase of life you know th- those mm-hmm. kind of things i think that's where star trek strength has always been you know so i think that you're right i think that's always been a big uh comparison slash contrast um let's see here do you have any special memories tied into either star trek or star wars that you would like to share um you know i bet i do if i really if i i, I there, suddenly i'm drawing a blank but you know, uh, okay, Rogue One. Rogue One, uh, I got invited to Lucasfilm to see Rogue One. It was storming like crazy. I went up in the attic to see what was going on. I fell. I crashed through the attic. I dislocated my wrist. Uh, my stepfather, my wife called my stepfather, who showed up next. I'm trying to deal with all this and all this stuff that dumped out. And I'd fallen through the ductwork, um, everything. And next thing I know, my 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 oh, eighty wow. year old stepfather is on the roof saying, "It's not your roof. You got the gutters are clogged." I'm like, "Oh my god, please get off the roof! It's the middle of the most <laughs> insane storm we've had in years, and you're on the roof in your slicker, and you're like, what's going to happen? This is is scary.' So I'm running outside. Just okay, okay, I'll get you the ladder. Just please get off the roof. So I grab the hose. He wants the hose to blast out the the gutters while he's up there. I grab the hose and it it yanks. It turns out whoever installed in the house I live in the original, the, uh, the pipe, it broke the pipe for the outdoor water faucet. So it's there. Now there's a 15 foot jet of water spewing out of the front of the house. And I'm like, okay, just, all right. So we'll fix that. Just get off the roof. So he gets off the roof as he's getting off, off the ladder. He hits the the bottom ladder because my house is on a hill. He slips. I try to grab him. We both slip. We roll down the hill. He's fine. I'm fine. But I mean, I'm as fine as I'm going to be. I have a dislocated wrist and I'm like not even feeling it's all adrenaline at this point. So this does connect to Star Wars. I Then we're like trying to shut off the water. We're both laying on the ground with these two wrenches connected to each other, giant wrenches trying to turn water off at the street because turning it off the house won't do it for this particular thing. And so somehow we got, he was fine. We got the leak stopped. I got the attic cleaned up. I got the, uh, I sealed off the, the broken pipe and reburied it. Um, everything was good. And, uh, my wife's like, well, we're not going to catch Rogue One. I'm like, yeah, we are. Um, we got in the car in the middle of the storm and <laughs> raced across the bay. Because if you, with a Lucasfilm showing, if you show up, it's a theater in Lucasfilm that they have in their building. You, you if Once the movie starts, the doors close, no one in or out at all. That's it. You're done. We got in there with literally seconds to go. We had the worst seats uh, in the room. And it was and I loved every minute of that movie. It was so powerful. And if I had missed that experience, I'd be kicking myself still. It didn't matter. I didn't feel the pain. I was just in it so deeply. And I was so happy to see that movie. And after after just pushing myself to be there after this horrible evening and making it, was a, it felt good. It felt like an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rogue, uh, oh man, Rogue One is such a uh, fantastic you know, ride. Uh, it, it it had such lofty expectations, being the first non 
Skywalker saga movie, you know, and telling a story that, you know, as you know, I'm sure, you know, from being a writer and being into video games, you know, it, it's, it's been told and retold so many times about how the Death Star plans were, you know, were obtained by the Rebel mm-hmm. Alliance. And, and the fact that that was what they chose to tell the first non-Skywalker saga movie was, is, um, it was, it was kind of ballsy. And, uh, I, you know, I thought it, I, overall, I thought the execution was, you know, phenomenal. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. <laughs> That's that, that. I mean, I I don't even know what to say to the story. To everything that led up to that, that is that, amazing. <laughs> you know, be, <laughs> I mean, it was a day. Ha- <laughs> it was definitely a day. Yeah, being a homeowner myself, I've never had anything like that happen. But I've had my fair share of of interesting mishaps. You know that you, you don't you just don't get. If you're not a homeowner, sure, yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh my, uh, man, uh, wow, that's hard to believe. We've gone 45 minutes already, isn't it? Time flies. Um, well, I have a question. So, I'm very fascinated about this one. I've been itching to ask you. So, if you were given the opportunity mm-hmm. to star in either a Star Trek or Star Wars project, mm. but you could only pick one, which would you select and why? To star in mm-hmm. one, whoa! You get into that um, field, that that world. I would probably pick Star Trek because the yeah. aesthetic of it really speaks to me. I, I would love the um, uh, the opportunity to walk around the 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 the, the set of a, of a of a starship um, as opposed to. Like there's some again we get in that, but one looks more future and is more relatable. Um, and I just think I'd feel a little more comfortable. And yeah, I would I would go with Star Trek. I'd go with Star Trek. Star Wars, I love it, but it's I want to experience that one again more from the outside and less from the inside in that regard. Which is funny because I've written Star Wars and I haven't written Star Trek. But it's mm-hmm. this is a fine line. We're going with a forty nine percent to fifty one percent here. But I'm going to go mm-hmm. Star Trek just to. Just a sit on that. There's something so iconic about the Star Trek bridge. No matter what ship it is, you know the bridge. And yes. um, so it's, uh, yeah, Star Trek. Kind of along the same lines, rather than starring in Star Trek or Star Wars, uh, you know, you've, uh, if you had the ability or the, if you were given the opportunity rather to create a, a Star Trek or Star Wars TV show or series or, or movie, which one of those would you choose? Well, I mean, in, in terms of, I mean, I've pitched both. And of course I've made Star Wars. I haven't made Star Trek. Just the, the simple part of it. The easy answer would be, well, I do Star Trek because I've already done Star Wars. Um, I would, and uh, the long, the more complex answer would be, I would pick whichever one allowed me the most creative freedom because that's the most important thing um, is, is not working, working, working with less, less constraints. So let's, if all those things are equal though, um, uh, you know what, at this point I would probably go, I, I don't think I can separate myself and be objective. Well, if I had never done either and everything was equal, I probably would go Star Wars because it has a little bit more powerful childhood connection for me. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about now, 
I would probably go Star Trek because, again, I like the idea. I mean, it's a utopia in that universe, right? They are, they, yeah, they've got the Borg, they've got like clashes with people, but at the same time, they also, food is, is plentiful. It, it's magically, can, you know, whipped together by hollow, whatever, you know, technology they have. You, they have everything. Like, they have people work together. They're eradicating famine. They're eradicating, and and they're on a mission of peace. They're out there bringing, you know, help to the to the worlds. And all the conflict comes from their attempts to help help everyone. There's something just inherently positive about that. And when I work on something, I've kind of found it's nice to live in a place of positivity more than a place of conflict. And while I love Star Wars. Star Wars, it's there's always this this underlying like desperation to the stories. There should be. That's what you want. You need you you need to have it. But when you're working creatively, sometimes you need to step away from that and have something that's a little more about. We do the like like in Star Trek, they're doing it for the joy for the for the because it matters because someone has to. In Star Star Wars, that element exists. But it's someone has to, or everyone dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and you know that's it. It's uh, I, you know the way that you you know brought up the the fundamental differences, and and even though both franchises can tell similar stories, that the stakes and and why the why behind why, you know why the story has to happen. Uh, in Star Trek and Star Wars is, is, in, you know, it's vastly different. And, uh, you know, that, that's a, you know, it's just a, a completely different way to think about it. And I love it. Yes. And I agree with you as well about the, the utopia of the Star Trek world, about how people have overcome their pettiness and actually they explore space and do what they do because they love it, not because of monetary need mm-hmm. or, or, you know, material possessions. It's something that they really want to do passionately to help, mankind and to help with the expanding federation i I agree with you i think that makes for a very interesting kind of world to kind of delve into yeah it makes it it's very fun it's a lot it's a good place yes agreed and uh, the way that you know the way that star trek you know yes you know like you said it's a utopia and but there is still you know there are still threats to that utopia i I know that gene roddenberry was a a big fan of uh of poetry from the romantic era and i know one of his personal favorites was william blake uh, and i know one of uh, blake's most quoted lines is is without contraries is no progression and that seems to embody the conflict that occurs in Star Trek, you know, they, these, you know, these, you know, these conflicts occur, but it's, it always, you know, the, the crew and, and Starfleet always comes out ahead and then they're better for it because of the threat that, that they faced. Right. Yeah. And while you can say there's some of that with Star, like Star Wars and Star Trek have a fundamental similarity in, in some ways that the, the baseline is different. The baseline is, is Star Wars. Everything is, is, on always on the edge. Everything is always on the edge of collapse. Star Trek, they have to go look for problems. They have to go, okay, let's go look for problems to solve because everything's fine. Everything is, is a-okay. Let's go find a problem. Um, Star Wars, again, if we ignore it, we all die. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, if you, you know, it, it's it, it is it's called Star Wars because it's not a time of peace, and it never it never seems like it will be. No, yep. <laughs> that's very true. Every generation has <laughs> something new in the Star Wars franchise. That's for sure. Yep. Yep. Whether it's yeah, whether it's the fall of the the Republic, the rise of the Empire, or um, I guess the rise of the First Order. You know, you've got your three eras, and well, now four because with the High Republic era. Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Well, why is a low republic? <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think that might be what we got in the prequels. That's fair. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, man, this was such a fantastic conversation, yeah. and I, um, I, 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 you know, I am so gracious that you agreed to come on. You've given us. So many different ways of of thinking about, you know, both franchises that we just Chris and I adore so much. Um, I'm going to remember this conversation for for quite a while to come. Absolutely, thank you so much for your time and for your input. Thank you. I really enjoy. Give me a chance to talk about both of these, uh, and I never get to talk about Star Trek. I'm always happy to. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, if you'd ever like to come back on, we'd we'd be more than happy to have you. You got Uh, it. So. You know, Absolutely. Just, just let us know. Um, uh, in the meantime, where can where can uh, anybody you know where can people reach out to you uh, if they want to continue the conversation, Landry? The easiest place to find me is on Twitter. I'm there. I'm pretty active on Twitter. Landry Q Walker is my handle, um, and I uh, I can also be emailed um, LandryQWalker at gmail dot com. Um, both are totally good ways to reach me. Um, yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Thank, Thank you, you so much again for your time and for your, you know, for coming on. Uh, Chris, um, do you have any final thoughts? Not just point. Just want to thank you again for everything. It was nice to have somebody else to talk Star Trek with. Um, Cause Jonathan and I talk about it quite a lot, but to bring yet another person in and, and see their experience with it. Um, I was actually, I was really enjoying your story, what you were saying about when you got into Star Wars at age six, it made me think about when I got into Star Trek, because I was six at the time when Next Generation premiered, and that was the same age. So it was a good time and a good, a good time for, mm-hmm. well, for Star Wars. It was just growing when you were watching it, and then Star Trek was starting to enter its first golden era for me. So good memories on my end, good memories on your end. It was nice to hear your experience with that. I'm happy to talk about uh, Try to get a chance to watch Wrath of Khan and keep in mind, think of it as just a, a pirate's revenge story with an aging captain. And, and imagine you could do the whole story on long ships and a desert island. And you fundamentally, with a few changes, you get the same basic thing. Absolutely. So check it out and let, me, and let me know what you think. Yes, sir. I will make sure of that, definitely. All right, so that's going to wrap up our fifth episode of the show. Uh, check the check the show notes, of course, for all the contact information, for the uh, order and pre-order links for Landry's uh, work that he has available. And uh, we hope to see you next time for episode six. Absolutely. If you'd like to reach out to the show on Twitter, you can find us at Logs and Lightsabers Pod, all spelled out. If you go on Facebook, search for Logs and Lightsabers Pod. Or if you want to email the show, you can reach us at logslightsaberspod at gmail.com. If you'd like to reach out to me personally, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook by searching at Just a Disney Geek. 
How about you, Chris? You can find me on Twitter. Just go to Twitter, type in at Chris Stoughl, S-T-O-U-G-H-1. You can also find me on Twitter and YouTube. I have a YouTube channel called Pittsburgh's Trek Chat. On Twitter, you can go to at PGH Trek Chat. You'll find me there. On YouTube, just type in Pittsburgh's Trek Chat. That'll take you directly to my channel. My email that you can use also to get in touch with me is Christopher Stow, S-T-O-U-G-H, L-S-W at gmail.com. Great. And then also, if you'd like to connect with Geek News Now, the uh, the network on which you found this podcast, you can reach out to them on Twitter at G-N-N underscore home, Facebook, just search for Geek News Now. Or if you'd like to connect with GNN on their website, it's www.geeknewsnow.net. We'd appreciate any and all feedback that you're willing to provide. Just reach out to us on any of those social network contact points and tell us what you think, whether that's suggestions for new episodes, what you liked about an episode, or what we can improve upon. We want to hear it. If you're an Apple Podcast user, our show and the entire GNN network would appreciate a five-star rating and review. It really is the best way to help our show reach more listeners and make us more visible to others. If you're not an Apple Podcast user, you can also help the show by subscribing to the feed which will make sure you never miss an episode of this or any other show on the network. In exchange for your feedback and reviews, we would like to offer you some discounts from a couple partnerships that Geek News Now has. For the pen and paper RPG fans, we have a great offer from Metallic Dice Games. You can use the code GNN to take 10% off your entire order, including items that are already on sale. Go to MetallicDiceGames.com and shop for your RPG gaming needs. Secondly, if you have extra room in your closet or drawers for more geeky t-shirts, Ripped Apparel is offering 10% off on their site, except for the daily shirts. That promo code is GNN10. Their website is riptapparel.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Live long and prosper, everyone. <laughs>